you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Invented social distancing. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a city filled with some heroes in bunkers. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hi, Dan. We'll get, to, we'll get to the originator of Hey, Diane in a minute and his progeny. But first, I want to introduce one more hero joining us today. He is the host of the Dave Damashek football program. There's a hint for you. <laughs> He's also the brains behind and the voice behind Good Sports on AdamCarolla.com. And, of course, with his buddy Feeney, one half of the great Daves of Thunder podcast. You know who it is, baby. Dave Damashek. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. Wow. Era-appropriate uh, guitar riff there. Soulful. Am I Martin Riggs or am I Dave Damachek? Doesn't matter. <laughs> From the same wormhole in uh, American history. What's happening, we, fellas? Yeah, What's yeah. up, Dave? Welcome hey, back to the up? show. Thanks so much. Well, I'm, I'm glad to see you guys are still doing this show. Good for you guys. Um, where's the Where's the fourth guy? Well, it's funny you should ask, Dave, because uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Wessling predisposed you know why because he's on the way back from the hospital because he's got a kid now how about that lincoln wesling anybody want to help me pronounce the middle name r-o-u-x grew grew like like lincoln wesling born may 22nd that's friday 7 46 p.m seven pounds two ounces 20 inches long baby and mama lakeisha healthy it's a cause for celebration you could celebrate now. Oh, okay. we can. I didn't know if there was like a song coming. I just figured it's so much, so much uh, production value. It's amazing. Um, I already saw him like tweeting back to someone like, hey, I've been sleeping on how, uh, how tough it is on moms and dads all these years. It's like, okay. I like, I don't know whether I'm, I'm so, I was so excited for him. I like for a second was almost jealous, but not, not really ultimately. Jealous that Wes so to go through is that experience because it's such an exciting. Yeah. Not not jealous of like having them up, but it's it's such an exhilarating week, month, whatever you know, whatever period you want to say it is. You're just on a, a high, and I'm sure he is right now. Well, I'd say we there were ten a, kids between us here, right? There was a little quad right here. There <laughs> was a period of time where we were on a you know a thread with Lakeisha and and, and Wesleyan, and he was offering some. I would call it inside information. We were getting it before the you know social media and the public was getting it, but then it went dark for like Humble an break. eight or nine period stretch where you just knew that um like and it was confirmed later. Lakeisha put in the work here, um, and I, I just remember my wife when we first Simone when we had Luke like she had like a thirty something hour labor and I changed 
my opinion of what women are capable of. Um, mm. And I'm not trying to be that guy because I think that's a, you know, I just don't know what they are, what they're capable of, but it, it, it increased in my mind. And I like, I will say the second thing, the when the baby photos released, a lot of babies, you know, eight or six, you know, 60, 70 minutes out of the womb are not looking too sharp. They've been through something. Right. And they just don't often look like human beings. Little Lincoln had one of the better um, early baby spreads that I've ever seen. You can't say anything other than that. This is legit real. Like it's a good looking baby right out of the chute. (laughs) As a guy who has produced uh, children, human children with uh, with multiple women, um, I I can say that it is offensive (laughs) what Mark Sessler just said to the mother of uh, of the, the little ones. But controversial hot take right out of the gate. For the first month to, you know, two months, a human baby is quite unattractive. Mamas don't like hearing that, but they look like hairless little rodents. Yeah, they're they're unattractive. One. Two, you're spot on. Human uh, if if um the um if the existence of humanity depended on men making the babies, society would shut down soon and uh, we would be ruled by <laughs> the apes or some other creatures human men would not go through that we're far too yeah. self for, for threat pain threshold aside we're way too selfish who we're really going to stop boozing and such for 10 months no chance <laughs> no chance it would be well a said. major issue the idea that you would have to curb all of your worst habits for that extensive amount of time women are the superior um, sex, let's be honest. I mean, maybe once, and, maybe you do it once for the experience, but after that, right? It's kind of like it's kind of like uh, youth <laughs> is wasted on the young. It's yeah. like Wes and Lakeisha Muzzletuff to them uh, sincerely, but having one is pretty breezy. Rosenthal, the 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 real trouble begins once you double up. Once you go two, it becomes ten times <laughs> yeah. more difficult. Maybe not the birth process, but yes, yeah, right. th- that's true. Well, I'll never forget, and, Dave Jamashek gave me the best advice ever, or it was more of a warning when we had our second. He basically said, and I think you got this from Bill Simmons, that, you know, when you got, when it's two parents and one child, and life is tough because you've added one child. When you have one, it's tougher than your previous life in many ways and joyful and all that other business. But you're playing man coverage or his own coverage. You got two people on one baby. When you throw that second one in, it's two parents and two kids. You can get exposed real quick. Yeah, that is people. my line. I told it to that guy. I, I'm the one who said it first. It's like one kid is is like I've heard someone say one kid's not really like having kids. It's like having a pet. But you know, only children don't like that. <laughs> yeah, Sheck was like um, Sheck was like our uncle who who taught us about what what was to come. Because I remember getting similar um, having similar conversations with Dave, where he kind of laid out here's what's coming up next. So get ready. And you, I remember you telling me, you know, the, it gets really fun when they start to understand what's going on and you get in that range. You know, what was it like three to five, six, where they become actual hum, human beings. So that Wes and Lakeisha, that's all the, the great stuff to look forward to. And I told Wes texting with him today, one of my favorite moments is taking the baby home for the first time. All of a yes. sudden, this this thing is now a member of the family in the house. And that's a lot of fun. I'm very happy for both of them. And uh, I know we all are on the same page with that. This is a very exciting time for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I would also say that that trip on I-10 with a with a baby that's like a day old in the backseat was, uh, as a non-driver, one of the more excruciating, <laughs> like, 12 minutes of my life. Just get me off the highway and get him to the house without and, issues, please. And it's, it's crazy. It's extra special, I would imagine, for Wes and Keisha because it's Tuesday that we're taping this. 
They've been there since Thursday. Right. That's a long time. <laughs> and because of COVID-19, <laughs> it was not uh, – Chris was not allowed to leave the hospital the whole time. Whoa. Which is crazy. Yeah, He's been hard. there. He hasn't been able to leave. I – I dropped off something on on Sunday night, just some you know sundries and stuff, you know some some resources for him. The, the hospital's right nearby here, and uh, it did get me thinking. It's the same hospital. I'm sure they thought about this a lot. It's the same hospital. Chris did everything, um, you know, with his cancer treatments and his diagnosis, and everything happened. We, we've all been at that hospital, like, and what a feeling it must be for them. What a difference! Just a few years of spending all that time at that hospital now compared to. Uh, compared to just a few years ago. Yeah. So what a time, what a time. And now we uh, look forward to today's show. Well, before we you do, can West. I just say, yes. can I just say when you guys, if, if you uh, leaned on my counsel previously with these matters, um, I, I, I'm your sounding board when you're ready to get remarried and, <laughs> uh, and, and have a second pair of children. That's I'll be so with I'm, you shortly. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for you. I don't know. I don't know how you did it, Shaq, how you're doing it, but you're still alive. So that, that's a good sign. Um, all right. So Wes will join us on Thursday, by the way, maybe even Lakeisha, who knows, uh, to talk about where he's at in his new journey. Today's show is a good one. We got, I mean, we got Shaq with us. What, a, what an exciting time, uh, it is. And with Shaq here, we figured let's, uh, let's talk about one of the most fun subjects, you know, breaking down the quarterbacks and not just breaking down the quarterbacks, the world famous, uh, Dalton scale. Where are we at in 2020 with the uh, Dalton scale? In fact, Greg Rosenthal, are we post Dalton scale at this stage? And what does that mean uh, for this exercise for us? Um, well, we're going to have to find out. I think we got to talk it out. It feels like it. Dalton's not even a starter, but uh, that's what's called the tease. <laughs> a little bit of a tease there in the little industry jargon. Also, we're going to spin the wheel of teams and find out who will be will, will be covering on Wednesday for a deep dive, a team deep dive. That's uh, that's exciting. But before that, Shaq joining us for the news. The two best quarterbacks of all time. Don't try to have fun when the rest of us might be sitting in houses with kids and wives for the next nine months. Stumbled across the great Chris Russo, who came on our uh, one of our Super Bowl shows, The Mad Dog, uh, going absolutely insane for 15 minutes on the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning golf match, which, you know, it seems like something that you don't need, really need to go crazy about. But that's what The Mad Dog does. Anybody watch that, by the way? I watched the whole thing, which is more golf than I've watched in the last wow, uh, Wait, I think really 17 did? years combined. Well, Whoa. you know, I sat and why? No, I, no, did I, did I, did I track every <laughs> single, the arc of every shot? No, but I mean, I, I wow. followed it best I could. That's, amazing. That's the worst take, by the way, I've, I think I've ever heard that from Chris. It's pretty what bad. Talking about? <laughs> I don't even know what he's talking about. I kind of like you it, watch it? I, I, it. You're not going to win anyone over here with that take, but it's, it's uh, like, I, you know, hear him. you raise $20 million. People want to watch. You, you don't have to watch. You watched it. You don't even like golf. Well, I, I would it? not have watched it if it were Phil Mickelson and three fill in the blank golf people, but I just wanted to see the Brady Peyton thing. And, if it would be um, on a scale of one to 10, very annoying or enjoyable. And it was pretty enjoyable. Give wow, us a take. I, what? I got, I got to tell you, Chris Russo expressing an opinion that very few other people had really made me think that's uh, that, that's, <laughs> 
that's someone who's mastered his craft. Um, now, while I, I, I'm not with uh, Chris Russo on this one, I think what it proves, I think people are swooning a little too hard over the specifics of the event. Um, the Going into it, I, I, I said, this is going to put up a huge rating, just like Last Dance did. And what it should do is let Major League Baseball know they better figure something out. And I am all in favor of player safety. I am always going to side player over ownership and and, uh, and all those provisos um, out there. But baseball better come back because if basketball and, and or hockey is out there playing its playoffs, baseball will very quickly slide deep into the recesses of sports fans. Cal Deeper Ripken, into people, the recesses. That's exactly right. I think people forget that Cal Ripken kind of saved baseball after the strike. Uh, you know, 25 years ago. I don't know the baseball would have bounced back. Where it is now is kind of – and the Yankees obviously reasserting themselves as the dominant force um, had a big hand in it too. But, man, baseball better figure this thing out because if golf with Peyton Manning and booby Phil Mickelson is enough to capture the imagination of sports fans, imagine what hockey and basketball are going to do when they come Mm. back. People will forget about baseball right quick. I had this very conversation with somebody uh, in the downtown Culver City area when I went for a walk with my kids this weekend, masks involved, um, that what you're hearing about uh, baseball right now is that there's a lot of internal squabbling between the ownership and the players union about how this is going to work financially. And yes, if the season, if that season got wiped out because they couldn't come to a financial agreement, I don't think uh, it recovers nationally because it would be it'd be such a black eye. Hopefully they're smarter than that. And everything I hear is that this is a big week uh, in terms of them figuring out whether this is going to happen or not. And along those same lines, uh, there seems to be more and more optimism about football being played this year. And we'll start right here with Governor Phil Murphy in New Jersey. He announced that all professional sports teams in the state can begin training camps 48 hours earlier, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, uh, gave the go-ahead for sports to return in New York. So, of course, that's Bills, Jets, Giants, all cleared once all the proper health measures established at their facilities. And you're going to – I would imagine what we're going to start hearing here, Greg, is this this announcement popping up across the country, barring some type of national or local setback. And this, again, getting these buildings open is the first big step in these – we're starting to sense a little bit of positive uh, momentum here. Yeah, I think the fact that it was New Jersey and New York making these statements, which don't you know necessarily mean a lot, you know, because all the teams and have to satisfy all sorts of health rules. But just the fact that the two states that have been hit the hardest are saying this right now in May to me is is noteworthy, and it gets you wondering like, are is the NFL going to be back? for many camps or you know any time before the OTAs could possibly be done. They aren't saying anything yet. And it's still confusing because places like Washington have totally different rules and they don't want any team to have an advantage. So I think that part of the offseason still is very much in the air. But it feels like if New Jersey, New Jersey and New York, if things don't change, if they're already opening, I mean, that is a great sign for, for training. Camp. I mean, I can see it on this, this very show. 
that everyone's ready to, they got a real bounce in their step. You t- two of you have completely shaved your beards. We had, we made an agreement check <laughs> that we would not do that until we met again. And look what happened here. I'm not surprised that Greg jumped ship without telling anyone um, right before a network show. But Dan, I'm, I'm appalled that you I've show been shaving up today. the whole time. I'm appalled that you I show up it. today with no notice and a cleanly shaven face. I'm ready to walk off the I, set. My set. You know, right I get it. I get it. And I have to say something, Mark. I apologize. I apologize, but I, I want to say my side of it, which is this quarantine's been tricky for the old Zeuser. And I tried to put up a, a brave face and it's business as usual on the pod. But in my quiet moments, in my lockdown home with the children and, and the wife and, and trying to manage life day to day, I have some ups and downs. I get the blues sometimes. And I, I kind of thought. Thinking about some stuff, maybe getting into some unhealthy habits and just feeling a little bit down. I needed a quarantine reboot. And I thought that shaving the beard was the first step in that, even symbolically of, okay, Dan, it's time to get going on the right direction, get back to who you are and get refocused because maybe I was falling into bad habits. So that's why it happened. And I apologize. I should have cleared it with you first, but that's the reasoning why and I'm being 100%. Well, I don't no, I don't need you to clear it. I mean, you put me into a position where I have no counterpoint to what you've just said and I'm very happy for you. And, you know, it's been an absolute breeze over here, beard or no beard. It's just been absolutely a, a joy ride, a hay ride through an autumn field, please. Now, what I heard was a bunch of white noise from uh, from Hansen's there, or, or green noise, gang green noise. That's thinking, thinking. That's why he's, a, he's he, he lacks the commitment to excellence. This, this, here, to, that, here, that was that, my... That was my issue. I had a sub Dalton scale beard. I was totally sick of it. after going That's to the Super Bowl right. and seeing every single sports writer there that had a beard. It made me sort of hate myself even more than I usually do and hate beards. And then three weeks later, and I, so I did, I shaved it right after the season. Then three weeks later, you know, it's this group thing. Okay. I'm not going to say now, but I had, I did not want to do it. And, uh, you know, my, it's my, my, um, yeah, like my significant other, she she hates it. She doesn't she doesn't want to be near me in general, and that's that's not helping. I don't I don't like it. So uh, let's get rid not of a it. surprise that Greg was first off the train. And I will say I would not have done it if Greg hadn't done it already. Uh, essentially breaking the link. Classic, to start, classic so uh, blame shifting there. Yeah, well, for, I, I agree with you, uh, Rosenthal. Yeah, that, that, that is the worst beard um, since Sidney Crosby. Right? There's no I mean, point really, in that. Like, what's the point? It, 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 I'm running and I'm running with it. It's it's just like who who wants it? though. I if, if I may, I mean, one size doesn't fit all. It's like Drew Carey. Right. Just because weight loss looks good on a lot of people doesn't mean it took for him. He looked weird when he lost all that weight. A little bit odd, yeah. Yeah, Hanzus. I think for you, I'd like to see you go Fu Manchu. You know, I think that would be a strong look with your mane of hair. You know, I think that like it would, yes. would like cut Namath circa 73. That's right. You get me. You get okay. me. You almost right. had that going okay. on a little bit, but nope, you know, it's gone now. Well, I, I, I wish you luck. Uh, Godspeed to the two of you that cut cut bait on this. <laughs> what, what, what is this? You can't you can grow. It, it was mostly an excuse because Dan wanted to grow a beard, you know, and like he didn't want to do it on that's his own. Not so now, it. That's not how I viewed it. That's not how I viewed it. That's not how I viewed it either. No. It really wasn't. It, it is was kind of a statement. We are we are we brothers, and we and you know we it's until it's inconvenient, and then it's just we are brothers of every other person on in the pandemic. Well, Solidarity right. with Sam Darnold because I I suspect he can't grow a beard or even a single facial whisker. 
He's like he's 17. Still a kid. <laughs> he's, he's only 22 still somehow. Speaking of the Jets uh, and Sam Darnold, he has a new backup quarterback. It is Joe Flacco, the veteran. Fluco Flacco, Super Bowl MVP, 35 years old, coming off a pretty woeful one-year run in Denver. Uh, but the Jets had to upgrade off uh, David Fales, who is currently the backup quarterback. They drafted a fourth-round uh, rookie, James Morgan, in April. So you add Flacco to the room, and it does feel like a little bit of a lot more security, to be honest. Uh, now, Flacco's health situation, you have to monitor that. Is he going to be ready coming off back surgery? It could defeat the purpose if he's not ready by week one. But Flacco's no, n- not even close to who he was, uh, Sheck, uh, five, seven years ago, but he's an adult in the room, something that Jets didn't have when Darnold went down last year. Yeah, I mean, I uh, it, coming from uh, black and gold quarters, a lot of people floating some uh, exotic names like famous Jameis and Cam Newton to serve as Roethlisberger's backup in 2020. I thought here on planet Earth, a much more reasonable um, possibility was uh, as much as it might cause um, the AFC North wonks to heads to explode. I thought Flacco as a backup made some <laughs> sense. But like you say, I think it's neither here nor there because – of the health issue. We don't know that Flacco's going to be ready to roll. It seems like he's, uh, you know, the so-called grown-up in the room for, for the callow, talented uh, youngsters that are going to be actually taking snaps come September, if anyone's taking snaps. Well, they had the worst They had the worst backup situation right. in the league, or one of them. Did they, and, did they, and, Rosendahl, you what? sure? I, I mean, just they, mentioned black and gold. Right. Uh, I would take I would take Mason Rudolph over over um, who was who is number three right now in in New York behind uh, Uh, David Fales. David Fales. Yeah, I'll take I'll take gold. uh, I'll take Rudolph. It it does make you think, too. Okay, they didn't want they wouldn't want to go after Cam Newton or whatever, but it makes sense for Sam Darnold. It's like you bring Josh McCown there for one year. Okay, it's like that that it's helpful to have someone there. And then last year, it's like you need someone other than Adam Gase. Uh, who's been through it. it? It feels like you need an adult in the room because I don't. Their coach sometimes isn't that guy. Like you need a quarterback who's been through it. In other Jets news, Jamal Adams is once again uh, at odds with the team over his contract status. He has two years left on his rookie deal, but he wants to get paid. He wants to get paid like one of the best safeties in the league, and the Jets are not willing to do it. And uh, every report you're hearing from the plugged in beat reporters from Ian Rappaport is that the Jets aren't going to shop Jamal Adams. Uh, Adams is probably not going to get paid either, though, because of a new a number of factors, including what COVID-19 is doing financially to the league and what it could mean for the salary cap next year. Given the fact that the Jets have three and perhaps four years of control, it it behooves them to sit tight here. But if Jamal Adams continues to uh, be angry about this. He may force their hand. So we'll see how it plays out. Mark, your thoughts on this. Well, I just, I, I, Jamal Adams, the ratio of how talented he is to how much he's annoying me um, with his name coming up in the news every 15 to 20 minutes. Cause he's disgruntled about his paycheck. I mean, I, I it's on Joe Douglas, who I really think is a, is an, a potentially a down, cut down the road could be like a top 10 GM to hold his ground, it, I, I'm tired of these bad teams uh, losing power struggles with star players, and suddenly star player is in a Dallas Cowboys helmet on Sunday Night Football. It's like it, I, I'm exhausted with it. Jamal Adams is the centerpiece of the Jets' defense. I, you got to pay him at some point. I I wouldn't wiggle an inch here. I would not allow Jamal Adams any leverage. He doesn't really have any lever- any leverage right now. 
I liked the, um, you know, a couple of years ago, shutdown corner was the splashy position to talk about in an offseason or a tight end or otherwise. This year it is the safety. Those are the guys in the news for good, bad, or ugly. Earl Thomas, shout out to you. Um, but, yeah, I, I, the, in an overarching sense, uh, I agree with you about Joe Douglas. Just imagine, though, I, I suspect Joe Douglas would have loved nothing more than to blow out Adam Gase and bring in somebody like Eric Bieniemy, and think about how excited Jets fans. Well, we can ask one here how excited they would be if Eric Bieniemy had taken the reins. They just couldn't do it because purging yet another coach, given the last decade or so, would have uh, looked shoddy even by Jet standards. But yeah, the the you know Jamal Adams figure it out because if uh, this team has a chance to to go somewhere, and I suspect that. Adam Gase is uh, is the reason that some some of those guys are kind of um, mm. not terribly enthused about mm. still wearing that uh, that new look green hat. <laughs> yeah, and I read this and it came up in you know all the articles. The Jets ranked tenth in defense DVOA last year. Greg Williams, despite being an unpopular figure, really does tend to get the best out of guys, and and Adams is such a great fit. Uh, and he knows how to use them. So they, this marriage needs to stay intact. I just hope I don't want, I know nobody wants to ever take the side of management and the sports world, either on Twitter or the sports writers, it seems, but it, it comes off as a little bit. I'm going to drop the word here, like uh, the warden from Shawshank obtuse of Jamal Adams to be really going nuts right now, considering all the factors and the lack of le- leverage he has. But I love the guy. This is it though. This better, is his I want this to calm down. This is the time. What to, is the leverage ultimately, though? I mean, this is the time to exert it. I guess to 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 say I'll hold out a training camp or whatever, because he's stuck looking. Part of it is the fifth year option. He's stuck looking that he's under control for two years, maybe three, if you count the franchise tag, that he's a long way away from getting that big money. And so the offseason is the time to do it because they're not happy with it. And it is annoying that you, you send out. You know, it's so transparent that, OK, 10 teams would be interested in him. You know, his agent is sending out trying right. to get any trade interest. But, you know, he is underpaid like this is it's just like how Certainly. it goes. But just, that's also the that's what the union agreed to when they uh, the ownership and the union did the rookie pay scale. That's what it is. And I'll just say this is perhaps far too simplistic. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes drafted the same year as Jamal Adams. He hasn't gotten his new deal yet either. If Pat Mahomes isn't getting his new deal yet, right. Deshaun Watson's not getting his new deal yet. You don't hear them honking about it. Well, not about Jamal Adams. It'll so just, you're always going to have a Jamal Adams in the NFL. It's in it's in it's. There's nothing else happening. But it's like I feel like nine out of ten times when we hear from this guy, it's money contract, it's agent whispers. It's just exhausting. I just want to have a. A button where I can just remove Jamal Adams from all life until he actually is playing football because he's a delight <laughs> on that front. Well, maybe we I can agree watch. with all that. And but imagine also, it's a little bit like those stretched over a full year, but it's a little bit analogous to like 15 years ago. Remember when Baron Davis signed with the Clippers? on the assumption that because Elton Brand said, let's go to LA and redefine pro basketball in Los Angeles. Let's go. We'll be the, we'll be the cornerstones of the, uh, the resurgence of the Clippers <laughs> and then Baron Davis signs. And then Elton Brand signs with uh, the Sixers. Like I mean, uh, and Bell must be like, you, you never stopped with the social media about how I need to come here and I'm going to be the finishing piece. Now you want out Jamal Adams, <laughs> not very presidential. 
No. Uh, what a, well put. What Finally, in the news, Carlos Carlos Hyde has a job. The uh, running back signed with the Seattle Seahawks. It's a one-year deal. He, he's added to a backfield that has Chris Car Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, uh, both coming off injuries. Uh, Devontae Freeman was apparently an option as well, Mark, initially, uh, but uh, but the Seahawks go with Hyde, who's had a nice season with the Texans and gives them some depth and another um, solid option, especially if the injury issues, uh, you know, shorten out that depth chart again. Yeah. I thought the bigger piece of news was Mike Silver reporting that Devonta Freeman is perfectly content to sit out for the entire year. If he doesn't get the kind of money he wants. And I don't imagine he's going to get the kind of money he wants. Carlos Hyde. I assume he makes don't the roster because these guys are banged up. I mean, it, you're it's basic. It feels like a, a patch until they, they're, top backs get healthy well yeah chris carson coming off a hip surgery penny's coming off a torn acl yeah you know, i did that the projected starter series and the seahawks are one of yeah, those teams that you look at you look at their roster and it's it's got so many problems other than russell wilson they just count on and i think the backfield could have been one of them so hyde is a good pickup to to add to those two injured guys but it's like the offensive line is terrible they have two great receivers but that's it then a total nothing after that and all sorts of you know holes on their defensive line and okay so you know but they're asking russell wilson to be a hero here i don't think carlos hyde's gonna change anything I may be the world's only out, well, at least outside of Columbus, Ohio, the only uh, Carlos Hyde stan. And somebody, somebody got after me, by the good. way, on social media. Am I too old to use the word stan? Yeah, because I'm not right fully, on the bubble. Am I? It well, didn't I, feel I, right, Dave. Didn't no, I think right. you're. I don't. I think Dan and I are on the bubble, and you're over it. And I think we're we're over it too. Even I think fair. I because I, you, know, uh, you know what <laughs> to to side with you. It doesn't feel right. And I and part of that is because I'm not exactly sure what it means, but I think I get the essence of it. What do you but mean? I, you're not right. sure what it means. I I think I get it. It's like I'm fully supportive, right? Yeah, you're like a I'm huge big fan. On. You're a huge fan. Okay. No, it means right. like you're yeah, you're you're putting the cape on. You know, you're yeah. caping for him. Isn't that another way to say? You're right. It? Yeah, you're yeah, writing. You're writing letters to Eminem, just like Stan did way back when uh, in 2001. Or That's um, the origin story. That's right. That is absolutely right. <laughs> I like Carlos Hyde very much and uh, was happy to see him finally fulfill uh, his uh, what I perceive to be his potential with the Houston Texans. Is he the difference? Though? I'm with you, Rosenthal. And, and you say they're expecting him. He already did it for him the, right. last year. I, 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 but that I gets said, them to the final eight. It doesn't get him. Uh, I agree. Superman. I think no one has, I, you know, I always say I, to the chagrin of many smart football people, I say QB wins do matter when they only hand out the one Lombardi at the end of every year. It does matter if you succeed in the postseason. But yes, I'm, I, I think Russell Wilson assumes the same position as John Elway once had, which is that mm. their greatest deeds are not in winning Lombardis. Rather, it's carrying these these rosters that have no business being in the mix this deep into January. I mean, when Elway was doing that with those butt with Sammy Winder and Vance Johnson sorts back in the in the mid eighties, that's akin to what Russell Wilson has been doing these last couple of years. Yeah, they never had a run game. Their defense had some stars, but they were far from dominant and it was Elway. And I Russell Wilson done his three or four years in a row, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Hold that thought on Russell Wilson. That's what's happening. In the news, all right, gentlemen, it is time now to get into 
the 2020 Dalton scale conversation and what it means to be a quarterback in 2020, where you, where you fit on the list when it comes to who's great, who's bad, who's good enough. And if you've never heard us talk about the Dalton scale and what does the Dalton scale mean and why does Andy Dalton such a prominent figure in this conversation and what does that mean going forward with Andy Dalton maybe holding a clipboard for 16 weeks? Well, let me throw it to you, Chris Wessling, from a prior podcast. What is the Dalton scale? Wow. Andy Dalton is the <laughs> prime meridian of NFL quarterbacks. He represents quarterback purgatory. If you are ranked below Andy Dalton, your franchise needs a quarterback. If you're ranked above Andy Dalton, you're in ship shape. Everything's figured out. You're good to go. There you go. So what does it mean when Andy Dalton is no longer a starter? And that's where we're going to start this conversation (laughs) right now. Is there a replacement for Andy Dalton or uh, uh, Dave Damashek? And we were texting about this earlier has the the very setup of the quarterback position shifted enough now where that conversation doesn't make as much sense anymore? Shaq, your thoughts? Um, way too nuanced for me to to figure out the the word sequence to explain it in short order. But you know, about five six years ago, we all talked about the fact um, that. That that it's weird that in a world of seven billion people that we can't find thirty two, nay twenty human beings to successfully play quarterback in the NFL. And now one of your most we, successful bits, or at least well, most used bits, at least. Life's it not was a analysis. Bit. Life's not a bit, friend. That's spot on. And and the football gods heard me, as did the personnel guys and the high school and college systems that develop quarterbacks. They all combined. Oh, well, I mean, is that a coincidence? Probably. Maybe not. Either way. Connect the dots. Uh, you know, conspiracy theories are all the rage. Now, either way, however we got here, we have achieved pretty close to, if not spot on, QB saturation. And I'll throw this one out here. Maybe that guy who you're talking about, above and below, is the guy who has no job right now. His name is Cam Newton. Cam Newton is interesting because how many guys can you rightly say, go through the list of presumed starters for 2020, how many of those guys would you say for one season, and of course I'm being a little glass half full about about number one's medicals checking out and everything, but how many of those guys would you say are definitely better than Cam Newton right now? Go through that list. I, I actually was doing it, and I think there's maybe, it's roughly about half the league that I would say, yeah, I'll roll with that guy over Cam Newton if if it's my team and I get to anoint the starting quarterback. Hmm. I I think there are decent options in uh, the starting group. Uh, Cam makes sense. I do think the Dalton line still makes sense because ultimately difference makers still matter at quarterback. So if you're around average, that's going to be worse than having uh, a Russell Wilson. And I think there's a pretty big middle class, but the names that kind of stand out and maybe it's more than 15. I don't think we're at saturation. Uh, To me, it's more like 18, 19, 20. And it's, it's Derek Carr. It's Goff maybe. Uh, who I'd put just above it. It's Tannehill could be in that mix. Those, those are what, the three that, that stand out to yeah, me. Yeah, hold that thought, Greg, because we we all as part of this uh, put together 
our list uh, of quarterbacks. We kept out the rookies, but in- included guys like Andy Dalton, like Jameis Winston that have, have had extended starting experience and are currently uh, headed toward a backup role. My list was 34 guys. I'm sure you guys are in the same range. And Derek Carr is a natural guy to talk about in this conversation. So I'm just curious, guys, where you had Carr, and then tell me the two guys on either side of him, starting with you, Sessler. Well, I always find that every time that I bring, I'm lower on Derek Carr and always have been than a lot of um, people on Twitter seem to be. And whenever you negatively discuss Derek Carr, you get all these people that are hitting you with these metrics about how Derek Carr performs in certain spaces. I kind of just look at quarterbacks as the overall experience, and he just doesn't do it for me. Um, Derek Carr, I had down at Where did 25, you have Derek Carr? 25. 25. And I had him above um, Nick Foles, who I think when he's healthy and in the right situation is is a solid quarterback. I don't trust him at all to stay healthy as a starter at all. And I can't believe the money he gets over and over. And I had Teddy Bridgewater below that. And I have Carr. And again, I, I'm like, I'm looking at the whole experience. I have him below Ryan Fitzpatrick and Gardner Minshew. And some of these young guys maybe are worse than Cam Newton. But from a team building angle, you don't just give up on someone like Daniel Jones because Cam Newton is available. That's right, the problem but, with but some there, of these situations. But that's the the thing of like, who would I rather have or the Dalton scale? And to me, Carr is kind of perfectly in the middle of the starters because he rises and falls, I think, based on what's around him. And maybe he will get a lot better and he does have some talent. But to me, I'm going to take the guess that this is about who he is, that he's going to be the product of the people around him. Agreed. And uh, I think he's better at this point than some of those young players. Like, I think he'd be better. I'd rather have him than, than Gardner Minshew right now. Or, or Nick Foles, certainly. And so I had him around 19, and it was those names right, or, right around Tannehill and Goff kind of in a, in a sandwich where any one of them could be the Tana scale. I yeah, have I guess we're all – oh, go ahead, sorry. I have him at 21, and I think that going off what, we're, what you were saying, uh, Greg, which I, I agree with, that it feels like that's right around the number of the drop-off, 20, 21, 22, where you begin to have an issue. And to me, he's right at that point where I start to get worried. So I have I have Dalton ahead of Carr, though, right on my list at 19. Wow. I have Tannehill at 20. Wow. I have Carr at 21. And then I have uh, Josh Allen, Mayfield, Darnold, Fitzmagic beneath. Interesting. Right now. Right now is where I – so I, I, I guess I'm a you, little so bigger So you're saying you would Carr. rather have Derek Carr than Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield? I'm saying right now, in terms of what he brings, what we know for his ceiling, what he can do if surrounded by the right guys, he's more of a known entity than those guys at that point, at this point to me, which is why I have him higher, even though I obviously as a Jets fan, I'm betting on Darnold's upside, but I simply haven't seen enough yet. Well, it just, it and seems like it's Mayfield crazy. is a guy that had such a bad year last year that now he's shaken me a little bit, but I also could see him being obviously better. But right now, Carr is a safer bet. To me. It just it's quarterback in a vacuum because I'm thinking about we don't know the ceilings of some of these people and I feel like I kind of know Derek Carr's ceiling. I don't know where you're on with 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 this one check. I feel like that yeah I, I basically slot them where you guys do. I I'm sorry, uh, Hanzus tried as I did to to rank them one through thirty two ish. <laughs> I just couldn't assert 
numbers specifically. I had I I had to okay. go tears at some. How point. did you do it? Okay, that's good. Why well, did it tears? There. What's interesting too, and we'll get to that is uh, is that there is a brand new clear cut top three that does not include any of the usuals that would have been there five years or so ago. Those guys now all kind of gather in a second tier. But yeah, Derek Carr and I, I have him right around the names you guys were throwing out there. I would put Jimmy G in there, Teddy B in there. Jared Goff is a fascinating one going into 2020 as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess a tick above that is Kirk, is, is Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz. I am much hipper on Josh Allen than most of the world is. Um, Ooh, the, yeah, so you have Josh Allen among the second – you have Josh Allen way above uh, – Car and you haven't I mean, even it, about Jimmy G and stuff, right? If people, well, if people listen, if, if you're going to call me out on saying like, "What's Josh Allen done?" I'm assuming you know that he is not close to his ceiling yet. Whereas, as Sessler says, other guys we we've seen them. Right, I have Baker in the top ten ceiling. or twelve. I Baker to me was way above the line because I've seen huh. it with him already. I'm not getting him that much for for the second year. Maybe the guy, maybe the middle guy is now for Andy Dalton is Ryan Tannehill, and not just because anybody below that you can call untannable um, in terms of uh, of <laughs> winning a good. Super Bowl. But I got, in, I got into a social uh, media debate with many Titans fans. Who knew that there were so many Tennessee Titans fans out there? There Dan, are but more than you think. They got yeah. very. It's all. It's always the nouveau riche. It's all the, that when people do right. these debates about which fan bases are the most annoying and everything, it's people who just found a little bit of loot. And these Titans fans, the Bills, think, the yeah, they Titans. think they right. They think well, but these Titans fans seem confused by what what was actually achieved in this most recent playoffs. You didn't at least Joe Flacco left the Ravens in a spot where they had to resign him. They had no choice because. As much as you knew, and as much as no doubt Ozzie Newsome on down knew, like, all right, Joe Flacco is not on par with all these other guys that make it to the Super Bowls with a fair amount of regularity. But he's now, especially after we let Dilfer go in favor of Elvis Gerber, we have to, as a franchise, bring Flacco back. The Ryan Tannehill thing, I get why you have to sign him, but I advocated over the weekend that what they should do if they really want to put themselves in line for a Lombardi in 2020 is, Sign Cam Newton for a little competition there. And uh, people went crazy. You think Cam Newton is as good as Ryan Tannehill? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I think he's quite a bit superior to Ryan Tannehill. People sending me um, uh, QB ratings of uh, of Ryan Tannehill. You never watched him. Ne- never mind the fact that I said last August, when, if they make the switch, Soon enough in the season, they will go to the playoffs on the right arm of Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, and people went crazy. Um, but <laughs> that is a one-off. Joe Flacco, Jimmy G, these guys that get you deep, if not to the Super Bowl, J- Jared Goff, you can thread the needle if everything goes just right, but still not good enough to mm. be a perennial contender. Ryan well, Tannehill, Tannehill, let, me throw no, let me throw another name out there, by the way. Go ahead, Greg. You had no, no, go, go for it. Go for it. I wanted to throw out not again because I think this is important for branding purposes. If we are post Dalton scale, uh, what about the River's Edge? <laughs> Philip Rivers joining the Colts, obviously coming off a disappointing year where he was a turnover machine, but still, I think a lot of people think, including myself, uh, Matt Money Smith, who watched him very closely, 
thinks very highly of Rivers' chances in Indianapolis. Where does he fall for you guys? I have him personally at 15 on my list, which puts you comfortably in that second tier where you're still the answer. But also, I, I imagine he could be lower for some people. Anybody had him lower than 15 and closer to that kind of 20 range? Mm. I had him right where you did. I love the name Rivers Edge. To me, he doesn't feel like a natural one, kind of like Tannehill doesn't either right? just right now because Tannehill's coming off such a small sample size where he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think that you just have to like accept that. I know it was a strange situation, but especially in the regular season, he was a top-five quarterback. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind for that stretch of play, and it was just like unlike anything we've ever seen from him. So you just got to see it again. And it was like seven or eight games with a new team. Who knows? But he doesn't quite work. Like, I want the, a guy in the middle to be more like Alex Smith. Maybe Jared Goff, where you, you kind of know what mm. he is. He's the same every season. Whereas Phillip Rivers, you know, I'm, I'm out here just hoping it's all going to click for him. And he's going to be amazing. And he could be a top seven or eight guy. But if you told me that uh, that's all just wishful thinking and he ends up bombing. Like I would believe that too. Like he, he's going to be up or down. I'm close to you, Dan. I had him at 14. I, it, here, here's why outside of an incredible um, catchy slogan there, I, I'm not sure it works because to me, it's great quarterback just simply at the end of his rope to some degree where I, I to, for me, the reason the Dalton scale clicks in, uh, in everyone's mind is because, Andy Dalton from beginning to end had a very defined ceiling and you're either um, okay with that or you're not. Phillip Rivers could go produce a 35 touchdown campaign. I wouldn't be surprised. He could also throw 30 interceptions, but it's because we're getting Dalton or uh, Rivers at the very end of the, of the career here. It's funny though. We're throwing out Jimmy G as a possibility. Are we already losing some hope of like him as a, guy who's gonna be way better than he has been you know what I mean like he 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 was about as everyone was about as excited including me about Jimmy G three years ago as anyone and now we're thinking he's like the the Dalton scale guy I hated that they hid him in the playoffs and then when he had the chance to win the game uh the big game he couldn't he couldn't do it I'm not dinging him forever on it but it did plant the seed of doubt a little bit with me that he is the guy just because Kyle Shanahan didn't seem comfortable with him being the guy as the season went down the stretch last year. So it hasn't, it has led to a change in thinking a little bit. I, I, I'll throw out this little analogy though, where Jimmy G and Ryan Tannehill and those guys are Jared Goff are concerned. It's a little bit like, when Matt Leinert was out there and people were saying, why doesn't any, why, you know who, where he should go? Why doesn't Pete Carroll go get him? The fact that Pete Carroll, his college coach didn't get him should have been, and probably was a red flag to the rest of pro football. Well, if his college coach doesn't believe in him, if the, if the offensive coaches for the Niners saw fit to hide Jimmy G, well, then there's probably a decent reason why they were doing that. Same goes for Ryan Tannehill can have whatever passer rating he wanted, and I believed in his talent and still do, but it's a little bit of a red flag that the Titans coaching staff was like, yeah, let, let's not put the game on him. I mean, no, what, not, what are we when they're winning, not when they're winning comfortably against good teams, and he played well in the AFC Championship, so I don't buy that at all. Like, they're, they were winning. Like, he was doing what they needed to do. But it's all predicated with a, with a certain class of QB, and I'm not denigrating them, I guess. I'm just comparing them to Hall of Fame-level quarterbacks. Mm. These guys that we're talking about, it's it's not a coincidence that they're pretty much, if I'm looking at it right, are all their success is based around play action. 
And it's a funny thing, like Jimmy G specifically and Jared Goff is another one in the same division. Both struggle. This is just anecdotal nonsense to what my eyes pick up watching these guys is that when they that you need the play action for them to succeed at, at this level. However, when they turn their back to the defense and then they pick their head back up and have to release the ball, they're not quick enough or talented enough to read those defenses. And they throw a lot of interceptable passes, Jimmy G specifically. Kyle Shanahan absolutely positively knows that he has to deal with Jimmy G throwing two or three pickable balls over 60 minutes, and he has to work his way around that. That's clear and was clear through January and into the Super Bowl. And it's why Jared Goff, Jared Goff, that's what Flores and Belichick figured out, and that's why I suspect with all the changes and injuries and other excuses you might make, what – the, the template that was provided by those guys in the Super Bowl was, oh, yeah, just don't, yeah, just don't suck up when, uh, dr- drop that safety late when Jared Goff turns, puts his head back up. He won't know what to do. And we saw that all through that Super Bowl. That's why the, the Patriots only allowed three points to the mighty LA Rams right. offense. All right. Now we're going to, I'm going to put Dave on his heels, but Dave, you're not allowed to talk initially on this one because I want to hear from the other guys because I know you have thoughts on this guy. Wither. Ben Roethlisberger. Don't you do it. I think it's a fair question. Is he above uh, the Dalton scale right now? I mean, Dave's tweeting about that. (laughs) You can't talk, Dave. Not yet. He'd he'd rather have Ben Roethlisberger than Lamar Jackson. So we know Dave is off his rocker uh, when it comes to Ben. I, I, um, I still put him above it. But he wasn't much better than average the last full season he played. And he's a 38 year old uh, with you know, questionable workout habits over his career coming off oh. an elbow surgery. So I don't know, like there's not a great history of guys coming off elbow surgery at 38 uh, and suddenly slanging it. I have, been at, I have been at number 12 and um, I, it's maybe it's, it's almost 20 years of watching him um, take my Sundays, which start with the nice sun rising in the sky and then shooting like a poison laced arrow right through my face. Um, it's happened so many times with Big Ben that I don't Gross. Um, I don't I don't buy this idea that like he's um, washed up unless it's injury related or his body's breaking down. But if he's healthy, he can be a top 10 quarterback in my book. Yeah, so, I had him. 14 I think we all agree right with that. Brady. Yeah. yeah, I had him right next to I think to we Brady. all agree if he's so healthy, he's so going to be that guy. But is he ever going to be healthy? Is he ever going to be healthy again? I have him he at 12 as well. He says he's in great shape right now. I mean, unless he's totally fibbing a white lie. Wow, we we've never known better Roethlisberger to stretch the truth. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm not All saying right, he Dave. did or he didn't. <laughs> Dave, state your case why Ben Roethlisberger is actually better than ever now. Yeah, I don't care for his fitness as a as somebody who is running at optimal physical peak. I I, I look my look down my nose at number seven. Um, listen. For, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting paid thirty million dollars to <laughs> maybe, be a pro right, Fine, maybe maybe we'll send number seven up to TB12, and uh, they'll fix them all up with some uh, with some sage burning over his uh, <laughs> his uh, ailing elbow. I mean, the, the bottom line is with Roethlisberger is I this has been. I thought you couldn't get any weirder on a national football analyst thing than than the reaction to Antonio Brown was like. You have no special insight into what's going on there. And yet, you know, enough to weigh in on, on what Ben Roethlisberger is doing in the lab. It was just a bunch of pap a year ago. <laughs> and here we are once again with, with black and gold related matters, people projecting. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't, 
I, I, what's his elbow like? I don't know. I don't, and, and you know who else doesn't know? Anybody else. No, nobody else has any idea what's going on. Yeah, I do have faith, though. I grew up, I loved Billy Sims. He ruined his knee in his, it, 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 early in his career, what would have been a Hall of Fame all-time running back career, and they couldn't fix it. Adrian Peterson, conversely, 25, 30 years later, oh, he had a knee injury? We fixed that thing right up. He's back out there ready to roll. Same goes for Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet on 21st century medicine <laughs> over Lamar Jackson's ability to respond to respond to to your uh, your bile, your snark, Rosenthal. <laughs> I I'm going to bet on. I know that I am in the vast minority on this one, <laughs> but I do. I I am suspicious. That first of all, I'll go back to to Warren Sapp, what he said forever ago. Defensive coordinators in pro football adapt very quickly. They have now, just like I mentioned, what Flores Belichick cooked up to slow down Jared Goff. Same goes this offseason. Everybody saw what the Titans did. Now, That's Jeffrey what we Simmons. Heard last offseason about the Chargers. I mean, they could have stopped him at some point did. during the regular season. No, you don't they think made, they were trying? No, they made you know that they made a wholesale commitment to their credit, the Ravens did, around Lamar Jackson's skill set. Now the next challenge is to respond to the adjustments that the the defenses of the NFL are going to make to Lamar Jackson. I loved it. And by the way, I said all through last offseason and, and into September that Lamar Jackson in 2019, that offense was going to thrive and dominate the NFL, and so it did. Now, though, come the adjustments. And now, can Lamar Jackson? I love that Big 8-style wishbone attack, but it has its limitations. Namely, it's always weird when people say, well, this offense doesn't want to get behind. It has a hard time. Well, that's a, that's a problem, isn't it, that, you're, that your offense isn't built to come from behind? You assume you're always going to play with the lead? Weird, especially against high-end teams come January. Um, I, I worry about that. And the other thing I do legitimately worry about is, Man, he looks like he Lamar Jackson looks like he's six two and and one hundred and twenty eight pounds. I don't think that leaves him well suited for long term success. I know that the weirdest thing is what? for these high end physical. Uh, I don't love his. I don't like his build in the NFL. He's going to get smacked. And now it comes down to the weird, incalculable thing. Incalculable. He likes thing. big fatties as as quarterback. Right. He's gotten That's so right. used That's- to it. <laughs> That's Why right. are you projecting whether Lamar Jackson can, can stay healthy in the NFL when we've had almost two seasons of evidence that he can? And he's I, 6'2", 212. I, I know. I was, uh, I was uh, being extreme. But the, um, <laughs> the, the, the I, I just think the weird thing is that for the, the, the superhuman athlete, even amidst other superhumans, when you stand out with that kind of speed and you can run away from NFL defenders, it's striking stuff. And we've seen Michael Vick do it and RG3 do it and Colin Kaepernick do it. And now it comes down to like Colin Kaepernick never got lit up. Michael Vick and RG3. Yeah, but just Lamar Jackson is out. way better. The, the difference is he's just way better at what he does than any of those players ever were already. And the, and the Ravens will adjust. They're not going to roll out the same offense. They know everything you're saying. Remember, this is the this is the post-Dalton scale conversation. Lamar Jackson is not true. part of this conversation, ultimately, right? We're all in agreement that he's in that top tier or in the number top three right now. I think Lamar Jackson is post on host crime right now. I don't. Would you, you guys all t- uh, listen? 
then then count me in the minority. And for whatever people, oh yeah, you're you're a Ravens hater, whatever nonsense. Uh, I don't think I mean, it's crazy to say Lamar Jackson might not be one of the top five quarterbacks this year. I mean, that's not. It, it certainly happens like that. But but Roth, you know, it, it, Dan's right. It's way far away from uh, the Dalton scale. Who's your anyway, Mark? Mark, I put Roethlisberger ahead of Lamar Jackson for if I get to choose my starting quarterback, I will take seven over eight, and I and you can all laugh at me, and we'll see how things turn. No, out. that's your. We'll stick a pin in this until right. next offseason and see how that take looks. Mark, give us one more name before we uh, before we move on here. Well, I you know if I were listening to this, <clears throat> knowing uh, you, Dan, and knowing what I'm into, I want to know where you had. Uh, Baker and Sam. I just, I, I can't get out of here without knowing that I had, and this was a, as Dave said, a very unscientific uh, list that I whipped together amidst trying to teach ge- geometry shapes to a, an eight year old. But um, I have Baker at 14 <laughs> and I have Sam and I think he could rise off of this at 20, but I have, I um, promise I look at yeah. this list differently than you guys. I am thinking like, I believe in these guys. There's no way they'd ever be below a Dalton line to me. The story is not told on either one of these players yet. I have almost the exact right. same rankings as you. Baker's a little higher yeah. and Darnold's a little lower, but about the same. I have them both just below Derek Carr. So mm-hmm. I'm the, it, which is essentially for me, jury's out on both. Didn't of you say yeah. that you were starting a fan club on our uh, around the NFL broadcast <laughs> TV show last no, Friday? That you, totally, you were yeah. one of the 13 people that still believed in Baker Mayfield and you just buried him. Well, that well, you're talking about matters of the heart versus me now being uh, <laughs> just cold blooded and clinical. And I think that Baker Mayfield, based off two years, is a mystery figure to me. And I, I want him to be successful for Mark's sake, but also I can't ignore it. And it wasn't just for me, the, the um, step back and play last year. It was the lack of maturity and the feeling that, ooh, I hope this guy's not a knucklehead. And that, that is on my radar with Baker about whether or not he really has the head on his shoulders to be a true franchise quarterback star. And I'm not saying that I don't believe in him. Uh, and, and like I said, I want him to do well, but there is a seed of doubt that was planted based off last year. I don't, I don't see how it can't be. Greg, you've completely uh, basically absolved them of all sins based I on your rankings. I'm, I'm saying, but I, I've said consistently, you know, I should be I'm the not one looking that's the other the way Baker's. on last year. I should be the other, the one that's in the Baker's dozen. My thing is I've seen him play at an extremely high level. So he's shown that he can do that. And even last season, I think if you watched every snap he took and compared it to Darnold and Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield is miles ahead of those two last year, even in his down year. I, I really think like he was, he was okay. He was not good. He, he made some mistakes, but that's where I see him right now. It's fair to say is a combustible persona to some degree. Like when things are not going well and then he piles on, it was not helpful to Cleveland. And like he said, he's matured. So either he has, I mean, you have your Kyler Murray's who like don't say a single word over the course of a calendar year just lift weights, work, and maybe that's what you want. But um, I don't mind in the AFC North a Cleveland Browns quarterback with a little bit of personality um, if it doesn't cost them, if it doesn't totally Being implode. a personality, though, doesn't – like being a knucklehead and being a, having a personality. I know, but that's – but Greg, or Dan, that, that's you judging him as a knucklehead versus the general population scene in the way he is. Like you were calling him – you were worried that he was Johnny Manziel when we, when, during the draft process, and it has I nothing think, to do with Johnny Manziel's No, issues. I wasn't. So, I don't I know where you're coming from on that. 
Yes, I think sure. that's, that's the, probably the fairest totally. criticism, though, of Baker. I think that is the concern because to me, just in terms of the football skill set and what we've seen, I don't have a ton of questions. So I, I, I understand Dan's questions about that. That's exactly right. Rosendahl's right. The football in part of it is there. The thing that, uh, if you weren't already aware, the imperfect Jordan documentary reminds you of what make what really cuts it for a real competitor. Swagger all you want when things are going well. Baker has not shown the ability to rise when there's adversity. That's the issue for him. I will just say, though, in an overarching way, I, I really think it's remarkable as you try to cobble these lists together. I mean, there are fully 20 or so guys that you can see at least that are capable of winning the Lombardi trophy, right? I don't think you would have said that five years ago. I think it's it's amazing. Like I say, the big three to me are Mahomes, Russell, and Deshaun Watson, and then there's a, uh, a meaty second tier of really high-end quarterbacks. The guy who nobody has mentioned in this conversation and hasn't probably mentioned in about a year is Matt Stafford. But if he comes back right, he's another guy who's capable of being nothing less. At, once you get past that three of Mahomes, Wilson, Watson, it's now like Rodgers, Roethlisberger, Breeze, Brady, Dak, Matt Ryan have as many question marks around them as Matt Stafford does. There's a chance Matt Stafford could – by the by, this time February, be like, see, Matt Stafford's going to the Hall of Fame. It's always been like he's on the edge of like he's on the edge of like is he Jay Cutler part two? But I think there's still room for him to ascend a little bit further. But he's um, got a long yeah. way to go before Hall of Fame. I, don't I have him any- on my rankings. I have him sandwiched between Brady and Big Ben at number ten. I, see, I, I, I even, see his potential as well. Yeah, I'm with. I have him higher than those guys in my top ten. I mean, I, he he's someone, if he actually had been available, I don't think he was, but I, he would have made, like, I would rather have Matthew Stafford than Sam Darnold. Like, I guess that's why he's that, that high on this list. Like, I, I, I am not betting on uh, unknown upside of Gardner Minshew or whatever over, or, or Darnold over uh, old Matty Stafford. <laughs> but would you well, take infusion- Stafford over, would you take Stafford over Baker? That's a tough one. That's Think about how many ascendant guys, though, there are in the league all of a sudden between Darnold, I think Josh Allen, I, I, the the cynicism, oh, he sprays the ball around too much. As I always say, if Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger had a baby, it would be Josh Allen. They, the, the, It's the same skills as those two guys. Inaccuracy is not an end-all. You have no chance of succeeding in the NFL if you lack accuracy. Ben Roethlisberger I, came into the league one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. Josh Allen couldn't is is the worst. So I I don't know about this. Maybe Cam Newton is half, but the they other got half the archive. The other half the is like they were, oh, he's so inaccurate. He's not. It's he's like not an a, maybe thrower. the brainchild of Tyler Thigpen and Cam Newton. You're just giving him uh, too good of a second father. All right, what is our, be, what is, go ahead. Sorry. Let's put a button on it though. What? Let's try to put it. I think it might be impossible to put a button on this conversation. But what what would be kind of our big takeaway? At the end of this conversation, is there a clear cut successor to Dalton? Maybe it is still Dalton. Maybe the fact that he's the backup quarterback for the Cowboys <laughs> doesn't change the fact that that's stu- still who it is. Like that's kind of the guy that you want to be on the right side of the ledger with him as the bra- the breaking point. Like I don't think Andy Dalton. We all decided last year that Dalton was still the Dalton scale. Did Andy Dalton get worse as a quarterback last year, or was no. he just in a horrendous situation and it was time for him to go? I still think he's still the same guy. So shouldn't he still be the Dalton mm. scale? Shouldn't the Dalton scale live ultimately? Okay, you just sold me. 
Mark is muted. I think West would agree. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I would think he would he would maybe say the same thing. Maybe we'll ask him about that when he comes back. I'd say the Bengals, I mean, basically looked at the Dalton scale and said, he's fallen below it. We we want something better finally. I mean, for me, I if I had to pick someone, the person that feels right, the same way that Ryan Tannehill with the Dolphins did a few years ago, is Derek Carr. We've discussed it. We've gone through it. Mm. I just feel like that's the guy for me. It's a good choice. It just rings true. How about you, I'm, Shaq? I'm, if you had to pick I'm, one I'm guy. I guess I will stick with where I went there with Ryan Tannehill because to me, the cutoff point is if everything breaks right for, w- around this guy, can you see him hoisting a Lombardi trophy? Ryan Tannehill mm. was 30 minutes and uh, a few seconds away from getting to Miami a year ago. So he, we know, is that guy. Jared Goff is that guy. Um, I have my doubts about a number of guys below that. And, uh, but yeah, it's an interesting. It's really only I'm trying to look at how many names I have here. There may be ten names that right mm. now I wouldn't say like yeah they're, they're they ain't winning the Super Bowl. I think I think, uh, I think we're yeah, sixteen sorry, games away from um, Teddy Bridgewater having like an Alex Smith in Kansas City like season and saying it's like the, okay. the Teddy Bridge quarterback over Choppy Waters line. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> We'll workshop I, I, don't, it. I don't know, but Teddy I'm could be the it. guy. <laughs> we need a little more. Yes, though. We need a few more starts. I can't grow uh, a beard. Oh, Teddy is a guy to keep an eye on. All right. Good conversation, guys. Uh, before we go, before we say goodbye, it is time to revisit the wheel of teams. Yes. What is the wheel of teams? We decided, Shaq, I know you are a every show listener to the ATN pod, so this is not news to you, but <laughs> Big fan. we have decided in the time of a pandemic in the deep off season with no spring activities uh, that we're going to start devoting our Wednesday show in part to a single team. We, we track down one of the best uh, beat writer or coverage people. We talk to them and then we all do a, a study and then, really break down that particular team. It started when the wheel spun for the first time with the Arizona Cardinals. And yes, there are concerns, Mark Sessler, internally uh, at NFL Media, that when we put the ask out to the graphic team, that they accidentally did not randomize it. So it landed on the Cardinals with the first team because they're the first in the alphabet, which would make the Atlanta Falcons the team that it will land on in week two. That well, is what we're hoping to avoid, Mark, but we're, we're going to find out right now. One of the reasons there was concern, you know, check, we all guessed which team it would land on. And I randomly with no nothing behind it, just guessed the Arizona Cardinals. And we thought, well, that's a nice little moment. Then we thought, wait, if this is going alphabetically, we're in big trouble. So we're about to find out. I think we should. Do we want to predict again or we do you want to avoid that? <coughs> I don't know. Are you OK, Dave? I'm, Are you I'm so excited that your respiratory system is. <laughs> I don't have the 19. Don't worry about that. I'm going to predict in honor of handsome Hank, the London Monarchs. (laughs) All right, let's spin it. All right, let's, let's, let's swing it. Let's spin the wheel. Ricky, let it loose. All right, it is spinning. It is landing on. Oh, this is exciting. The New York Giants. Oh, wow. The G-Bus. That's interesting. I like that. We haven't talked about about them that much. It's funny. In the post-Eli era, they've been more under the radar than they've ever been on this show. So they're a good team to talk about. Yep. That's a a fun one. So 
Big Blue will be the subject, and we will put our heads together and figure out who is a, a good outside source to bring onto the show and, and try to reel them in to talk a little Giants football as they begin Special a new guest, era. Eddie with- Spaghetti, how about that? Tiki Barber. <laughs> with Dan <Daniel> Jones. <laughs> Same hire. All, all good ideas. People. Um, Danny Cannell. Yeah. All By good way, ideas. We'll get we Giants do- talk on Wednesday. I can't believe we, we we didn't touch on Tyrod Taylor, who's got uh, who who perhaps is on the best roster. Uh, no, we didn't even. We, he's below it at this that's. Point. I can't hear Tyrod Taylor. I just wanted the word there because I was thinking, what if the Chargers come up here and we didn't even talk about Tyrod there? I'll, I'll see you guys when it's time for uh, for the Steelers one. Yes, oh, that like sounds that. good, Dave. And, and and Kirk Cousins didn't come up in that conversation either, which was a bit of an upset. But uh, yeah, so the Giants will be the subject on, on Wednesday or Thursday, excuse me, on our Thursday show. We have a little bit of a different schedule because of the holiday, Memorial Day on Monday. Uh, Dave Damashek, you, you've said it all. You came in and uh, as you always have and you always will, you brought high energy and great analysis. And as the originator of uh, Mirth, at NFL Media, we we thank you as always for bringing that as well. Don't you patronize me? No, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, over the moon for you guys with uh, with the ongoing success. Keep it going, and uh, muzzle tough, of course, to uh, to Wes and Lakeisha. Over the moon uh, times ten for them. Thank you, absolutely. Shaq. Thank you. All right, and yes, uh, we will talk to Wes on Thursday. So another exciting thing to look forward to. All right, that's it. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm. The old boss, Sheck. Oh, the Sheck Republic's going to be plugged in on today's show. That's another reason to be excited. Everybody, thank you for listening. Until Thursday. go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you